I am. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing. Everyone, the, everyone is taken up the offering, right? Offering is done, gone. Okay. So no one's being manipulated by now what I'm about to say. But I'm convinced of this. I was praying the other day, and I felt like the Lord stirred this in my heart. Just drop it out, take it, leave it. You can do whatever you want with it. But I just felt the Lord begin to speak to me a little bit about uh, money. And, uh, and, and uh, we, can, we can only serve one of two masters. Either we serve God or we serve mammon, which is money. Um, and money basically does have a God behind it. We know that. It's actually Babylon. Um, and it will come down because it has to be defeated. So it, it actually helps us understand that it is a master, right? A master will come down at the end of the day. But I just find this where we get confused. If we're serving God, then money actually is underneath Him. So money has a purpose. Amen. And so when we come before the Lord and we have an understanding of money, what we understand is that we are on this earth for two reasons only. One is to know Him and to make Him known. Okay, so you don't have to get confused. You don't have to run around, study the Bible, get all lost in all of that and go, Lord, how's my journey and am I going along here? Did I, did I take a detour or whatever in my life? We just have to submit, surrender to Him, get to know Him and make Him known. In getting to know Him and make Him known, money has a purpose. Amen. If we find ourselves when God is speaking and God is dealing with money, getting wrenched in our hearts and difficulty, just maybe we've lost the purpose of money. Amen. Because maybe money has become a place of security, a place of comfort, a place of fulfilling needs, which money never was in the Bible. Money has got to do with a purpose. It's got to do with a life that surrendered to God, to know Him and to make Him known. God's purpose for money is to make Him known. Amen. So you don't, we, got, we, we get the realization, having studied the Word of God, to understand that God loves when we take a wife. We know all of that. God loves when we've got a family. God cares about us. He says, you don't have to ask and, and worry about all your, your needs and this, that, and the other. Don't worry about what you'll wear and all of those things, because God will take care of it. Because that's God's purpose and God's plan. Amen. So He knows you have need of those things. So when we surrender and submit to him, he uses the finances for his purposes. What's his purpose? He'll make sure that your house is taken care of and your whatever that's needed. Of course, that's in his purpose. But the flow of money, friends, when we come and we stand up here, it shouldn't tug our hearts. Oh, well, hold on a minute. Okay, I'll give my tithe or I'll give that because... Uh, it's actually clashing against my comfort or what I really need it for or this, that, and the other. It shouldn't. There's something wrong with that picture because we've surrendered our lives to Him. It's all Him. So money, friends, is either God is the master or money is. If money is, that's what will happen. It will be a contradiction and a, and a, and a, and a, and a challenge to your heart because you'll have to change its purpose. This is not what I'm preaching on this morning, but if you'll hear this very clearly, if you are getting, having a wrestle with money, it's because you're wanting to change its purpose. God is good. He created you, and you are His. Isn't that enough?
Karabashande. Okay, Mark chapter 6. Let me, let me share this as well. Just I'll drop out something else that happened. It's all in the book. Let, let, me, let, me, let me share this with you. Wasn't it fascinating how Jesus came and he breathed on the disciples, how he, um, he went to the cross, he, got, he, got, he died, he rose again, uh, he went and, 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 and showed himself to a number of people on the earth, 500 at least, okay? The Bible tells us that. And then he says you have to wait for the Holy Spirit. You have to tarry, wait in Jerusalem. It's very important that you wait. And then there's this, this period of waiting. And as they're waiting in the Holy Spirit, all these 500 at least people are having to wait. And to make a long story short, when the Holy Spirit falls on Pentecost, there are 120. You've got to ask yourself the question, what happened to the 76%? or left when the Holy Spirit fell. I'm not surprised this building is not full right now. Because we are waiting for the Holy Spirit. And that which He has ordained will come to pass. Amen. But that which He has ordained cannot just come to pass with anybody. It has to come to pass with a surrendered life. A life that will yield itself to Holy Spirit. A life that will be filled with Holy Spirit. That allow the tongues of fire and the fire of God to fill and consume their life where they will go out, friends, and their purpose will have changed. Where they will get sawn in half, hung upside down, chopped off, heads chopped off, burnt for the gospel. That's radical. No, that's the gospel, friends. Where our lives and our purpose, friends, when we got saved, we didn't just get saved. We were saved and sent. We were saved and we were rewired and repurposed. And our whole life became about Him. And the purpose of everything is in Him, friends. And no matter what gift He's given me, if I am an electrician, friends, the purpose is to know Him and to make Him known. And wherever I go, my sphere of influence is to flow, friends. The purpose of my electrician is not to make money. The purpose of me being an electrician is a gift to, in my sphere of influence that I can make him known. Amen. Matthew chapter six. And you can all relax because the offering has been taken up. And I'm in no way trying to manipulate you to give more money. I'm trying to under, get you to understand the kingdom of God and how much we have gone off track. And last week, friends, I gave four scriptures because that's the four scriptures that God gave to me. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Um, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 46, verses 8 to 11. And Romans 8, verse 32. I don't want to go through all of those. But all of those are just a pure emphasis on the goodness of God. Amen? Romans eight twenty-eight talks about 
that God turns everything for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose why we're sitting here. There's a purpose why we're a family. There's a purpose why you're established 24-7. There's a purpose why we were called for such a time as this in this house to this community. Amen. There's a purpose why 120 people were sitting in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to fill them and empower them. They changed their lives and they turned the known world upside down. Actually, the right way around. But you understand that, friends. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding. In these days, friends, we've got to throw that our own understanding out the window. And we need to trust in the Lord. And the Bible says, acknowledge Him in all of your ways. We've got to give Him rightful place and acknowledge Him, it's His purposes, His plans, His will. And as we acknowledge Him, friends, He makes our path straight. No matter where you're going and drifting right now, all over the place, He can make your path straight. Amen. Isaiah 46, uh, 8 to 11 talks about um, God, how He declares the, 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 the former things and the ancient things. Talks about what He has spoken, He will bring to pass. What He has purposed, He will uh, make sure it happens. All those encouraging words. The last one has got to do with God didn't withhold. Romans 8.32, if God didn't withhold his son, how will he not freely give us all things? Beautiful picture of a father heart. Amen. But I want us to quickly go to uh, Mark chapter 6. If you haven't found it by now, just close your Bible and listen. I'll, I'll tell you about what's in there. In Mark chapter 6, it's a beautiful uh, uh, story about Jesus who is uh, sending out his disciples. And I want you to take this picture and I want you to understand this picture because it's one that's contrary to a lot of thinking in the church today. Is that here's Jesus who is the Son of God, who is empowered, full of the power and the presence of God, uh, Holy Spirit moving mightily. He is going into cities and he is changing cities and people are all getting healed and thousands and crowds all gathering around him. And he decides to choose 12 people one of them is going to actually sell him out and uh, betray him. But he decides to choose 12 people and spend three years plowing into 12 people, friends. When he could have commissioned whole cities. He could have commissioned whole crowds to go and do a whole bunch. But he decides to take 12 people and to plow his life into them and release them, friends, to do what, he'd, got a, what um, he'd been called to do. That's amazing. And I want to tell you, when he sent them out to, guess what he did? He sent them out two by two. This is shrinking. Because now there's 12 people, and he sends them out two by two. Guess what? Even if you didn't go to school all the way to matric, that's six teams. He sent out six teams. Two by two. Let's read the word. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. 
And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Now in Mark, the word repent is only mentioned one other time. It's in Mark chapter one, I think it's verse 15, round about there. But repentance means to change the way of thinking, right? He asked them to go out and proclaim that there is, there is a shift and a change in thinking, friends. When we got born again and we came to know Jesus Christ, there must have been a shift and a change of thinking, right? And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And then in verse 14, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known in all that area. Wow, that is powerful. He takes a small group of people, 12. He says, go together two by two. He sends them out with his authority and his power, friends. And the word and the name of Christ, the name of Jesus, spread so uh, rampantly and radically that the highest authority in the land got to know. That is so powerful. Just giving you an illustration here. Because I want to say, as we look around here, we've got to understand purpose. We've got to also look and say, this is a small group of people in 24-7. But 12 people changed the known world. But if this small group of people can catch what, what they caught, if this small group of people can live the way they lived, if this small group of people can carry the gospel, the way they carried the gospel, we can change the known world. Now, he gives them authority and powerful. Look at this. And, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirit. And they, they cast out many demons and anointed oil, many who were sick and healed them. Yet he tells them to take nothing with them. Well, that's a bit harsh, don't you think? In our today's world, that will be, gee, you're making things very difficult. I'm sure he didn't mean that. I'm sure we can find a theology and a doctrine that will take that out of our Bible. But my Bible, the ESV, extra special version, tells me that he said he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. To wear sandals, but not to put on two tunics. <laughs> now why do you think he did that? How about because he knew exactly what would be challenging the church today way back then? How about the truth of God's word is that fruitfulness can become a major problem? How about that fruitfulness can become the stumbling block to your purpose? If we don't understand the gospel and understand what Jesus was saying here, friends, we can lose the plot completely. 
Because if, friends, they had the means, they could have taken their own stuff and done everything that they wanted to, friends. But he realized, friends, that if they did that, friends, as they go along with that anointing and that power and the authority and the purposes of God, friends, that can become a stumbling block and self can get in the way. Right? That's why, friends, when he said this, friends, there's a humility. I position myself in a place where I have to trust him. I position myself in a place where I am dependent on him. It's why, friends, when we go out on mission trips and we head out on mission trips and we go to these different places, friends, and, and um, if I had got, got Krista up here and tell you all the stories and what have you, you can go to India, friends, and it doesn't matter what your bank account is, it doesn't matter where, how you live, where you live, and whatever it is, friends, what you left was nothing but Jesus. Because when the demons stop manifesting, friends, and we just heard a story just, just now, I just heard it yesterday, in a, in, a, in a church, friends, where a demon manifests, people could not cast it out, and they said, well, we can't, we have to go to some authority in the church and what have you, friends, it's a disgrace. That in church life, as believers, friends, we can't cast out demons. But friends, when you go out in those places, friends, there's nothing else but Jesus, and that's what it puts you in the place of dependence and a reliance and a trust on Him, friends. Not a, not a, a, a visit every now and then, friends. That we're all safe and we're comfort and everything is wonderful and we've got everything, friends. Every now and then we put ourselves in a place where we need God. We have to call out to Him. Every now and then things don't go quite our way and we don't get exactly what we need, whatever. We can't cover our expenses and we end up in a place where we have to trust Him. Friends, that's not the Word of God. The Word of God is we put ourselves in a place continually where we are dependent and trusting on Him. Why? Because we're rivers. We are not dams, friends. We are not damming up things for the future. We, our future is found in Him. We are rivers that flow, friends. We position ourselves in a place that when we go out in the gospel, friends, we're trusting Him that He is the God who is good and He will provide for us. Amen. Now, maybe this doesn't excite you or push your buttons, but it's the gospel, friends, and you need to take truth and allow it to change your life. He says, don't even take two tunics. Don't even take two, because God is good. You don't need to store up do not store up treasures on this earth, friends. I don't need to go and study the Greek to understand that. It says store up for yourself treasures in heaven, friends. They were carrying the gospel. They were vessels carrying an earthen, in an earthen vessel, they were carrying a treasure, friends, that uh, the whole of eternity understands. It's a treasure that you and I have been given. It's the gospel. Its name is Jesus. Jesus. And they were given this, this, this uh, mandate and this purpose, friends, was to go out there and to share the gospel. And I love the story here. And the story here is, friends, we are not meant to go, friends, and just keep pounding away until somebody surrenders. We're not called to make, Keegan, make a decision Friends, we are meant to go out there, friends, and we are to find listeners. 
The Bible says if you go around and I go to, to Keegan, I go to the Hislop's household and they invite me in and they're listeners, then I stay there. I linger there as long as God needs me to, to minister life and blessing, friends. If they say, no, no, thank you, friends, then I, I shake the dust off my feet and I move on, friends. This gospel and the mandate we've been given is very simple. It's not some heavy, you don't have to go stand on a soapbox. You don't have to go out into the streets, grab hold of people. If you die tonight, Friends, the mandate that was given here was simply to go and share, not to change your heart. The heart and salvation belongs to the Lord. It's God who saves, friends, not me or you. Our responsibility is just to share the gospel, friends. And there's people whose hearts have been made ready. There's people whose hearts have been prepared, friends. And when I go and I find out there's a listener, friends, that's a person's heart who's prepared. I don't have to jump to the next house, the next house, the next house. I don't have to jump around. I stop. Why is it applicable? It's applicable to every single sphere of influence that you and I are living in. Whatever business place you're in, whatever school, whatever varsity, whatever place that you have influence, whatever uh, uh, retirement village, whatever it is, friends, you're just sharing. And when you find a listener, you stay. And you begin to share the heart of God. And you stay there and you begin to impart because God has given them the ability to listen. And the heart that is open, friends. Colossians chapter four, I think it's verse three or verse four. It says, pray for us that a door would be open to the word. When a door is open to the word, friends, you just step in through that door and you pray. But if the door is shut, friends, no problem. It's not our responsibility. Shake the dust off your feet and move on in God. And many signs and wonders we're taking place, friends, as they just shared their hearts and their love. Amen? The gospel is such a simple thing, friends. It's not complicated. 12 people, six teams of two, and they changed the known world. Look around you. How many teams of two we got you? Oh, but you don't know, Grant. I, I, I don't have the skills. I don't have this, that, and the other. Friends, he took 12. He didn't go around and do a census. Right. Okay, who studied Greek? Who studied Hebrew? Okay, who's got lots of money? You? Yes. Come forward. Yes. You, yes. Let me pick the scholars and the educated and the rich and the wealthy. Let's pick them. Friends, he picked a bunch of ignoramuses. These people were not the top of the cream of the crop. They were not, friends. They were untrained, uneducated, ignorant people. Fishermen. I'm a fisherman. I love fishermen. He took this group of people, simple people, friends, and he imparted to them his life. And he said, now go just share that life. Friends, that's the gospel. Jesus came and imparted his life to you and I. And he said, just go share it. Oh, but I'm not trained. Or I don't have to. Just go share it. And it's not your job. Some will listen, some won't. It's not a problem if they don't. And then if somebody does listen, stop. And linger. And have some tea. And have some fellowship. And encourage and impart. 
We're not on some mission, friends, ticking off boxes. Next house, next house, this person, this person, to get some people saved. Saved into what? There's far too many people that think they're saved and they're not. Because we've got a box, friends, we ask them to say something. We don't want them to say something, we want them to receive. His name is Jesus and transform their life, friends. Amen. So the journey is very simple in the gospel. No, we're not even gonna get to when I was preaching, but it doesn't matter. This is obviously what God wants to share. The gospel is so simple, friends. It's about an amazing, wonderful, loving father who passionately is in love with you and I, who said, who would not even withhold his only son, his only son, and you know, I shared last week, well, if you can understand eternity, understand God, understand that there's the Trinity here, they've been together forever, there isn't a beginning, there isn't an end, they're just together. They are tight. Not musically tight, they are tight, friends. And, but he wouldn't even withhold his own son, that's how much he loves us. A father who passionately loves us, what's the enemy's plan? He has spent his whole life trying to prove or trying to make us think that God is not good. Why? Because when Jesus came, friends, he restored us back to the Father. Not to heaven, not to the, back to the Father. He restored back heavenly relationship. So when we simply have relationship and we're simply on this journey of the gospel, let me explain it simply like this. We come in the power of the Spirit. I haven't got time to go to the Scriptures. Uh, if, I think it's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and uh, Jude, verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude, verse 20. It says, praying in the Spirit. Now, I don't know your theology on that one, and you might be sitting here today and going, okay, praying in the Spirit, they were all shundying in tongues, or whatever. That's great, but it's gotta be more than that, friends. It was praying in the Spirit, friends. The Bible calls us to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. So they were praying in the Spirit, so the direction of our prayers and our relationship, what's prayer? Simply, it's a relationship and a communication with God. Uh, the prayers and everything come by the power of the Spirit. When you don't know how to, to pray, the Bible says the Holy Spirit gives utterance. In the power of the Spirit. And then we come to the Father through His Son, Jesus. Amen. He's our high priest. He's the mediator of a better covenant. And, but we come to the Father. So you've got a Father there who is good, who loves to give His Kids, good gifts, who loves to lavish us, to spoil us, to bless us, to, to just, he's so huge in his lavish love and goodness and mercy and everything. This is the huge heart of a father. But in, the, in Satan's cleverness, he separated us from that huge heart because we decided to do this thing ourselves. Oh no, we, we don't need you, we're gonna do it ourselves. We sinned against love itself. So Jesus comes to restore us back to love, back to goodness, back to beauty, back to everything that pertains to life and godliness. 
and through Christ now, and all the promises, everything are yes and amen. And then just to help us, why he said tarry, is because sometimes even in that incredible blessing, we can lose our way. So he says, receive Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will divinely enable you and empower you to walk this journey. Amen. Now, the Bible's got many places, and I don't want to shut this down into some little box. You can talk to the Holy Spirit, you can talk to Jesus, and you can talk to the Father. You can talk to the Trinity. Amen. Bible's full of that. There's no problem with that. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Bible says I can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? If I can grieve the Holy Spirit, if I grieve Jane, why would I go talk to Gavin? Right? Simple. If I grieve Jane, I go and talk to Jane. Amen. Wish the church understood that. But so the reality is, of course you can talk to Holy Spirit. Of course you can talk to Jesus. But the principle that God set up was that we always come to the Father. The normality of our journey is about a father, a father who wants to give us lavish gifts, a father who has given, has not withheld anything, he gave his only son, that enables us for the door to be opened, to be restored back, that we can come boldly into the father's throne room, amen, and then we come in by the power of the spirit. So we've been given a foolproof win, winner journey and purpose, so what does he try and do, friends? He tries to make sure that Jesus' work was not finished. There's still some shortcomings there. He tells us that God is, is, uh, is not actually a good father. There's sometimes reasons why. And then also then, friends, he wants us to neglect or ignore or don't worry about Holy Spirit, 380 out of 500. Am I, t- am I speaking too fast this morning? Because it's the gospel and it's really simple. We're empowered by Holy Spirit. That's why he said, don't go anywhere. So that you can be my witnesses. Friends, what are we called to be? Witnesses? What are we called to do? His purposes, his plans. What are we called to do? Make him known. You can't do that without Holy Spirit, friends. And then if I'm gonna make him known, I've got a journey. I've got to come through Jesus to to the Father because the Father's the one who's lavishly wanting to give me good gifts and the things that I need to do what I'm called to do. And he's not a withholding God. So when I'm going along his purpose and his plans, friends, my God shall supply all of my needs. Whenever I'm walking according to his purpose and his plans, friends, he turns everything for good. So what I was gonna preach on is about when he talks about asking. He said, ask in my name. He said, ask the Father. In my name. Friends, it's not a formula. When you understand that, you will understand what he's actually saying here. And then the Bible says, maybe I should just read it. I don't know if I'll ever get back to preach this. Uh, there's so much in my, in my heart. Let me just read you John chapter 14. I'll read it to you. John chapter 14, verse 12. What are we doing? How are we doing? We're not bad. Not bad. You're on my time clock. <laughs> Thanks, Graham. John chapter 14. Uh, reading from verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly. Just in case you didn't know it was true the first time. Truly, truly. Truly, truly, I say to you. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whoever, uh, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Listen to that very quickly. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. First quick, quick thing there, whoever believes in me. He's not talking to the disciples. He's talking to whoever believes. So he's talking to all of us, believers. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Woohoo! So first and foremost, what he's saying is when you get born again and your life gets transformed, it's not the end, it's the beginning. You've been rewired, repurposed, transformed, changed into God's plan and purpose for this world in your sphere of influence. You are him, you are his hands and feet. You are the answer in that particular sphere of influence and situation. And everything in my life is about that. And one day I'll stand before him one day and I'll give account of what I did with that. And it won't even come into questioning about what about this or what about that because theory and theology will be irrelevant. What you believe is what, how you will act. So my belief system will be in what I did. I will not be able to stand there and be clever with words and be an academic. My life will display it before God. Everything that I did, how I honored what I did, what I did with everything, including my finances, including my family, including my job, including my house, including my cars, including everything. How did I manage what he gave me for this purpose and this plan, friends? If your house is not effective in the purpose and the plans God for you, sell it. If your car is not effective for the purpose and the plans, sell it. I have no inclination, friends, to buy a fancy car and put it in a, a, a garage and then on a weekend go and drive it around. Someone must say it. And if my house, friends, has got a whole bunch of fancy things in it where people, families can't come in, and, careful, don't break that, sit there, feet crossed, don't move. Well, if you can be hospitable and display the gospel like that, good for you. But friends, our whole life is about displaying and manifesting the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So he says here, for all believers, that you will do the works. So when we get born again and we're transformed and now we're saved, friends, then he's telling us here that there is a responsibility that we will do the same works that he did. Not works for our salvation because we're saved. Our life's been transformed. I'm just gonna do a whole bunch of stuff. I'm gonna do exactly what Jesus did. Well, how do I know that? It's in the word. I just look and see what he did and I do it. Amen. <laughs> and greater works than these will you do because I'm going to be with the Father. There's a great, great hint in all of that. He's telling you that you and I will do greater works because he's going to be with the Father. Amen? So we sit here and debate in religious circles all about how he's talking about greater works and so we can do greater things and more powerful things than Jesus did. Well, there's no one on this earth who has yet to walk on water, feed the 5,000. Just maybe he wasn't comparing and trying to say we'll do greater miracles. Maybe he was just saying you're gonna go because I'm going to be with the Father. When he went to the Father, what happened? He went to the Father and guess who came? Holy Spirit. When Jesus was walking on the earth, Jesus was sharing about promises, anticipation. When we walk on the earth, it's about promises fulfilled. 
These people had never had Holy Spirit come and dwell inside of them. Christ, the resurrected Christ living inside of them. Woo! There's something powerful about a believer who has a resurrected Christ living inside of them. The only thing that can stop that power is between your and my ears. And the devil's done a great job. I love it when I watch soccer. <laughs> Something happens in soccer and whatever and that, and then you see the ref goes, da, 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 and you see the player turn and go. Or the manager looks at the player and goes. I know God doesn't do it, but sometimes we've got to go there and go. Come on. What's happening up there? Huh? Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Amen. Sometimes we've got to smile at ourselves. Amen. Splash yourself with some joy every now and then. So we can smile. There are thousands of muscles that work when you smile. It's the best gym workout you'll ever have. Just smile. Oh, this, the scriptures I was going to talk about today was about when we ask in his name that your joy might be full. He wants us to be joyful, friends. He's, the scripture that I gave is about coming into his presence with joy. There's such joy in Christ when we're doing his purpose and his plan. Amen? You know, if you and I are journeying along a particular journey, and we're trying to get by and, and buy this house or pay for this house or this car or whatever, and we come against difficulties and challenges, we can understand there's no joy. When you're going along along the same road and trying to incorporate Christ into your life, of course there's no joy. When you choose Christ and you're going along and walking the journey and there's difficulties and challenges, there's always joy. Because I'm doing it for a purpose that no man can take away. I'm doing it for a purpose that is storing up for myself a treasure that this earth, moth and rust and all the garbage on this earth can never take it away, friends. That joy, friends, is the joy that is our strength because it's the joy of the Lord. To make my joy complete, friends, is to walk the journey in his plans and purposes and to ask anything in his name and the Father will give it to me. Makes my joy complete. When I'm fulfilling and I'm walking in his plans and his purposes. Amen. Have I finished the scripture? No. Um, so that's what he's talking about there. You can go study it more. I won't linger on that one. But greater works than these, friends, I do believe we can do mighty and amazing and wonderful miracles, and I'm not uh, playing that down. But I'm not saying we're competing with Jesus and make sure we do more miracles than Jesus. I don't think that's what he was meaning. Amen? No amens. Amen. Amen means so be it, friends. It's an agreement, friends, and it's a declaration of your life. So you just got it, whoever said that. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Isn't that beautiful? I think we've just got a whole new understanding and new lens. Whatever we ask in His name. I'm landing, and I'm, I'll share this very quickly. 
There are three scriptures that I have studied and I love in the Bible, and I, I literally put everything on these three scriptures. One is John chapter 15, verse 7. Anybody, anybody? <laughs> Very good. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask me whatever and I will give it to you. There's an abiding. There's a condition to that particular promise. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. What does it say? Ask according to my will. This is the confidence that I have before the Lord. If you ask anything according to my will, then you know that he hears. And if you know that he hears, you know you have that which you've asked. Now the promise. Amen? Ask according to my will, you get it. First one abiding, second one I've gone blank on the third one. 1 John chapter, oh, my, my, one of my most exciting, how can I forget it? And Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 24. Remember when it talks about have faith in God, you can say to this mountain, be cast in the sea. Amen? It says, when you stand praying, believe that you have received it and you will have it. So there is a believing that you have received it. There is a abiding in the word. And then there's asking according to his will. And then he comes along in this particular scripture and says, scrap all of those, you just have to ask in my name. I don't think so. Amen? So what's he saying here? Let me quickly tell you. It's all wrapped up. All of those are wrapped up in this one little sentence. He says, you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When you come before God and you ask in the name of Jesus, it's so that he might be glorified. Ask yourself the simple questions here today and just say, when I come before the Lord and I'm asking and I'm tagging on the name of Jesus or I'm putting it in some kind of prayer and starting off with our Father and ending with in the name of Jesus, is it glorifying him? Because that helped me understand here why a lot of our prayers don't get answered. It's not about conditions. It's about understanding asking in the name of Jesus. What does a name represent? Who he is, friends. When I come and I stand before him and I go to the Father and ask in his name, I'm telling the Father that I'm coming to you not in my name, not in anything to do with me. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm coming for his honor. I'm coming for his glory. It's about him. So when I come and ask, friends, if I come and ask, can you please give me money for this or that or whatever, and then we cry out to God and say, why you don't hear me and why are you deaf? Can we just come before him and say, right, what is the purpose? What's the plan? What's the journey of my life? And when I'm coming before him, am I coming in his son? And will this bring glory and honor to the Father? Oh, of course it will, because it's very bad for my reputation if I don't pay my debts. God's quite happy about his reputation, by the way. You and I don't have to protect God's reputation. What God's more interested in is your and I's lives and the purpose and the plans that God's called us to. Amen. I know this sounds tough, but it's very encouraging. 
Because I want to as the pastor, but God wants to see you and I succeed. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to go through life carrying your lip on the ground. Honestly, church. He doesn't want you to every single day have to fight about finances and money and things and God. And why this and that? He doesn't want you to sit there and get despondent. How am I going to have the finances to send my child to varsity or to pay for that school or to upgrade my car? That's ro- Honestly, that's not... When we position ourselves, he says, do you not think I know what you have need of? Because he's good and he loves me, he knows exactly who I am. He created me, I am his. And he is good. And everything that I need that's good, God is not withholding. So whenever I'm in a situation where there doesn't seem to be, or something's happening, then all I gotta do is go back to him, speak to me, Father. Because everything that you do is for my good. And if this isn't happening, it can't be for my good. So I need to shift or change, make some decisions. I need to repent. Change my way of thinking. Amen? See, when we catch this, it's the gospel. Then we're not caught up in all the other stuff, friends. Then we take back the territory of the enemy has stolen. The Old Testament is an amazing picture of the church. The people of God have been given the promised land. The wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous. God has stored up all of those things for his people. There's a purpose, friends. It's to make him Lord. To make him king. Amen? Not to get sidetracked with all the other stuff that's going on, but to make him king and Lord. So when I surrender and make him Lord of my life, and he becomes in control, friends. Then I live for only two things. One, to know him, and two, to make him known. And as I live to make him known, the purposes and the plans of God, everything that God is at work and doing, friends, is for that good and for that purpose in my life. Can we understand that? And in that place, the river is flowing, friends. And in desert places, that river flows. But we cannot, friends, jump from that river and go over here somewhere and wonder why the water is not flowing and then blame God because the source is not flowing. Amen? That's what the people of God do. They sit there and then they complain and, and they, anyway, shall we stand? Now, you and I are responsible for our lives. I'm not responsible for your life. You are responsible for your own life. And when you come and you sit in 24-7 church, can I encourage you that I want to honor you because you are taking responsibility because here it's not a comfort zone. And here truth is spoken and truth is declared. But if you just came to do church and tick a box, whatever, and that and appease your conscience, you're probably in the wrong place. 
Because what I shared this morning, that truth, friends, it captivates your heart and life and you cannot be the same. You either have to be a hearer And if you're a hearer this morning, you will build your house upon the rock. If you're not a hearer this morning, friends, your house is on sand. And when the storm comes, I promise you, it is not going to stand. So I want to pray for us as a church this morning because I really believe that in all the shaking, the people that are here and sitting here this morning are the 120. And I truly am, as the pastor, very grateful for every single person here that is stuck by and that has stood with Jane and I through all of this shaking and transition. Honestly, every single day, I thank God for being a shepherd over an amazing group of people. But friends, we have been given a mandate and a purpose, and the job's not finished. 24-7 has a plan and a purpose and a design that God had before time began. And as the pastor, I want to see that fulfilled with every part of my being. And I know it's going to cost. And it's no good me standing up here and just tickling your ears and giving you fancy words. And when the time comes, I haven't given you the weapons that you need to fight the good fight of faith. But I really do believe we're on the threshold of something incredible in God. Something that we were born for. Something that God has eternally established and equipped and placed inside of us. And that we are a family And it's all about the family doing it, not about individuals. And so as I pray this morning, I just want to pray that this hasn't just gone over your head. I pray that you haven't just come to another service. I pray that you don't go home and, oh, well, that really didn't do anything for me, or, oh, that wasn't so nice, or did you see how this was or that? Because in eternity, today will stand as a marker of what you did with this word. And so I want to pray for every single person here today, Lord God. And I don't take preaching the word lightly, Father, neither do I take my own life and truth, Lord, impacting my own life lightly. But I know you have shared this with me, Lord God, that I might make decisions and repent And change the way I'm thinking, Lord. And I want to pray for every single person here today, Lord. That as they've heard the truth, they would know the truth. And the truth would set them free. That today, Lord, they'd make a shift, Lord. Today that they would repent. Change the way they're thinking, Lord. Because God wants to restore back the joy of your salvation. God wants to restore you back to your original purpose because you were designed 
for that purpose. And only you can fulfill that purpose. There is no other key that can open the doors that your design can open. There is no other design that can do and fulfill and complete that which God has designed for you. God will get the job done, but it will not be through the uniqueness of your design, and that's the way God wants to operate. Every single one of us is unique. Every single one of us has been designed for an incredible purpose. And friends, when you follow that purpose, when you live for that purpose, when you're a river, when you no longer, friends, have mammon as a master, but only God is your master, then money is an amazing tool in your hands. It's an amazing gift, friends. It's an amazing joy. When mammon is our master, friends, then money is an incredible taskmaster. He's hard and he's cruel. So I pray today, Lord God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would yield to you. We would allow your word to take root in our hearts and lives. That we would allow Holy Spirit to come and to empower our lives and to fill our lives. And I pray, Lord God, that from this moment on we would be prayers that pray in the Spirit. I pray, Father, we would be people who would come before you in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that we'd be a people that truly are convinced and know and believe that the Father is good all the time and that He is waiting to lavish us with His amazing gifts. He's waiting to lavish us with love and everything that we're needing. And that our lives will only truly be complete and full, full of joy, full of peace, full of love when we surrender to your purposes, Lord. When everything becomes about you, I ask, Lord, by the Holy Spirit that you would do that in every life this morning. I ask, Lord God, that today would be a defining moment. That we would never be the same, Lord. That in our jobs, in our interactions with people, wherever we go, in malls, shops, restaurants, that you have given us opportunity to find the hearers the doors that have been opened to the Word of God, hearts that are open, Lord, so we can share. And then when we share, Father, to watch you transform a life, 
thank you, Jesus, for this great privilege and opportunity as a church to pick up this mandate that you've called us to, Lord God, which is not hindered or held back because of finances, because of anything. It's hindered and held back because of our hearts. May we change our hearts, Lord God. May we become servants of our most amazing Father who doesn't call us servants but calls us His children, sons and daughters. May we truly become family at this time and do all that you've called us to in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not getting a piece to dismiss and tell people to go have tea or coffee, but I don't want to just close this. I just want to release you that you can go to Hebrews encourage and have fellowship but if you're still just feeling the Holy Spirit on you then this is a weighty moment friends I I would love you to just sit and let the Holy Spirit finish whatever he's talking to your heart otherwise you're welcome to to go and and, and, uh, just sneak out quietly and just let Holy Spirit do what he wants to do this morning on our hearts Just yield to Him. Don't yield to Grant or anything that I'm saying. Yield to the Word of God and whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you this morning. In Jesus' name. Otherwise, love you. Appreciate every single person here. Count it a privilege to be a shepherd of these amazing sheep and family that God's called us to. We were born for this time, church. Don't let it pass. Ask the Lord. What's your purpose? And do that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.